Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. We began this year with, with, with Pastor Chris um, Hodges of Church of the Highlands teaching us, and he gave us a proposition, a principle at the beginning of the year. Here's what he said. He said, how many of you want this to be the best year of your life? And how many of you responded and said, I do. I want it to be the best year of my life. Okay, the rest of you, what, what, you just settle for a remake of 2020? I mean, what is, how many of you want it to be the best year of your life? Raise your hand. Then he said this, then if you want it to be the best year of your life, then it has to be the best year of your life spiritually. Why? Because you are an eternal spiritual being created in the image of God, having a temporary physical experience on earth. You are a spiritually eternal being having a temporary physical experience on earth. Well, why is that so significant? Because if you don't see life that way, then you never see priorities clearly. You, you just never do. You, you allow your life to be built on things that do not last, and you don't learn that until you get to the moment where you realize, oh, that really wasn't as important as I thought it was. So with that in mind, let me give you another principle. When I put God first daily in my life, I see what's going to last versus what's going to pass. Let me say that one more time. When I put God first daily in my life, I see what is going to last versus what is going to. Okay, let me explain that for you. Everything that is a physical appetite is going to pass. Now, how many of you love crawfish? Okay, if you don't, find another church. <laughs> the official bug of this church is the crawfish. Okay, now... To be honest with you, I really, I, I like, Michelle makes a phenomenal crawfish etouffee, but, but I don't, I'm not into the, I, I mean, personally, I think that anytime you get any animal and you pull his head off and you start digging your finger in there and doing this, I think that, <laughs> come on, I, I know, how many of you ladies do that? Look, fine as you are, you do that. <laughs> well, well, I, I mean, I, I'm just, but I can tell you crawfish season has come. How many of you know that we're in crawfish season? Okay, and so Michelle will go, crawfish season is in. I got an envie. How many of you know what an envie is? Okay, what is that? A craving, a craving. I got a craving for some crawfish. And so she'll say, crawfish time is open. And I'll say, okay, what time do they open? Y'all all know. <laughs> so guess what time we get there? 4.30. We were the first people in line. We had, I didn't, we had crawfish three times last week. <laughs> three times. We didn't need lint to have crawfish. Just needed an RV. And so, and so we're there at, and, and then, you know, and, and, you know, they just want, want, I mean, if you want them, you were raised like that, you just want that. And so, I mean, you get there and, and you know, 
I start ordering. So we get there with the first people in there and the table. And, and you know, they want five pounds, but because they're women, they order three pounds. But what that means is they're going to eat off of yours. So ladies, let me just share something with you. Just because you didn't order it and you ate it, it doesn't mean you don't get the calories from it. Okay, some of you need to know that. Okay, so, you know, man tries to order three pounds. He goes, you're ordering three, you're ordering five. Okay, all right, and we're ordering five. And so they start, and it's just like, they just, just all, all of it. And then, like, like 20 minutes into it, there's like a pound and a half left, and you're like, well, are you going to eat the rest of that? No, I'm, I'm full. Well, 30 minutes ago, we had to get here 30 minutes early because you had an OV that had to have crawfish. And now 30 minutes into our experience, it's 5.30. An hour ago, we were in line 30 minutes early. And now you're done? Well, yeah, I'm full. Do you know why? Because everything that's a physical desire is temporary and will pass away. It doesn't matter if it's an OV for crawfish or many of you, how many remember your first car? Boy, you had to have that car. You had, you just saw yourself in that car. You just saw yourself. You, I mean, you, you know, those of you that are guys, you were laying back like this, looked like a lazy boy. Okay, you had a ratty car, but you put Cadillac hubcaps on it, so you felt good about yourself. Listen, now you look back at that and you go, that's crazy. I, I, I mean, that was so important to me. Why is that? Because everything that is physical is temporary, and it gives you a temporary thirst that will pass away. Do you know what our past jobs are as pastors? It's to be spiritual tour guides to lead you on a journey and go temporary, 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 eternal, lasting, lasting, temporary, temporary, lasting, lasting. So if you want this to be the best year of your life, it has to be the best year of your life spiritually because you're a spiritual being created in the image of God. So with that, let's get into our message today where Jesus is teaching us the difference between what's temporary, what's eternal, and how to reach people in our day-to-day lives. John chapter 4, verse 3. So Jesus left the Judean countryside and went back to Galilee. To get there, he had to pass through Samaria. He came to Sychar, a Samaritan village that bordered on the field of Jacob, which he'd given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Jesus was, he was worn out and he sat down at the well and it was, it was noon. A woman came, a Samaritan, and she came to draw water. And Jesus said, would you give me a drink of water? And his disciples had gone into the village to buy, to buy lunch. The Samaritan woman was taken back and asked How come you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? Jews in those days wouldn't be caught dead speaking to Samaritans. And Jesus answered, if you knew the generosity of God and who I am, you would be asking me for a drink and I would give you fresh living water. And the woman said, sir, you don't even have a bucket. Now, theologians tell us that well was 150 foot deep. 
You don't even have a bucket to draw water with, and the well is deep. So how are you going to get living water? Are you better than our ancestor Jacob, who dug the well and drank from it, and gave with his sons and livestock, and they passed it down to us? Jesus said, everyone who drinks of this water will get thirsty again. Everyone who gets a house will want another house again. Everyone who gets a car will want another car again. Everyone who gets an envie will have an envie again. But anyone who drinks of the water that I give will never thirst. The water that I give will be an artesian spring within, a gushing fountain of endless life. The woman said, give me this water so I'll never have to be thirsty again and won't ever have to come back to this well again. Now, Jesus has broken all kinds of barriers, which I'm going to talk about in just a moment. But now we're going to get to the real need that's never been satisfied in this woman's life. He said, go call. And then she said, well, um, what happened? <laughs> um, see, uh, my cuff. <laughs> Go call your husband and come back. And she said, Jesus is saying to her, you have been trying to get a thirst quenched in your life ever since you can remember. And it's led you from man to man to man to man. Because no matter what you get, it always leaves you with an envie again. I have no husband, she said. That's nicely put. He said, I have no husband. For you've had five husbands, and the man you're living with now isn't even your husband. And the woman said, you must be a prophet. Translated, only God knows how many men I've been with. Well, tell me this. Our ancestors worshiped on the mountain, this mountain. But you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place to worship. Isn't this interesting? Jesus is talking about what's keeping her from God, and she starts talking about what church you go to. You know any people like that? Why are you living that way? Well, I'm Baptist. Oh, I'm Catholic. Oh, I'm non-denominational. Immediately when Jesus starts talking about what's really going on in her life, she wants to argue religion. Believe me, woman, the time is coming when you Samaritans will worship the Father neither here nor on the mount there in Jerusalem. You worship guessing in the dark. We Jews worship in the clear light of day. God's way of salvation is made available through the Jews. But the time is coming. In fact, it has come now for when what you're called will not matter and where you go to worship will not matter. Baptist, Methodist, Catholic, it will not matter. It's who you are and the way you live that will count before God. Your worship must engage your in the pursuit of truth. This is the kind of people the Father is looking for those who are simply honest themselves before him in worship. God is sheer being itself. He is, and those who worship him must do it out of the very same being, their spirits. Then she says, I know that one day we'll know the answer to all these things because the Messiah will come and he will teach us all things. And Jesus says, I am he. Let me stop and translate this. 
You've gone from man to man to man since your teenage life, since you sprouted into maturity, looking for a man to satisfy you. I'm finally the one who's here that will do it. Look at this, verse 28 to 30. The woman looked, took the hint. The disciples come back with food. The woman took the hint and she leaves. In her confusion, she leaves her water pots, which she came to temporarily satisfy her thirst with. Back in the village, she told the people, what? Come see a man who knew. He knows me inside and out. You think that interested a few men? He knows me inside and out. Do you think this could be the Messiah? And they went out to see for themselves. It's harvest time. In the meantime, the disciples pressed him, Rabbi, aren't you going to eat? And he told them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. The disciples were puzzled. Who could have brought him food? And Jesus said, the food that keeps me going is that I do the will of the one who sent me and finished the work that he started. Look around right now. Normally, you would say you plan in four months later come a harvest. Well, I'm telling you right now, open your eyes and take a look at what's all around you. These Samaritan fields are, it is harvest time. And then he sends them, he tells them this, watch this. And the woman goes and they, she brings out the entire city and they come to see Jesus. Well, what a story. Let me first explain the cultural differences, the prejudices that are here. What was the history of the Samaritans? The Samaritans were Jews who intermarried five to 700 years before with the Babylonians and the Assyrians, which they were commanded not to do. And they married outside of their religious, race, and spiritual heritage. Because they did, they were despised by the Jews and they were despised by the non-Jews called the Gentiles. So it's here that Jesus begins. You know what I love about Jesus? Now, I'm going to say this to you, and I want you to hear all that I'm going to say so that you don't judge me. Say, Pastor, I'm not going to judge you. Okay, that was a weak, 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 a <laughs> lot of judgmental people. Okay, say, Pastor, I'm not going to judge you. I am an expert in immoral women. You say, Pastor, why? Well, my mama was married five times, or my dad was married five times. Each woman he married has my mother been married two or three times, except the last one, who'd never been married before. And I married them when they were like 70. My mom was married two times, the man she was married to after my dad had been married seven times. I have four sisters who got pregnant 13, 14, and 15. And, and when I gave my life to Christ, I moved in with my mom and she owned a bar. There was a duplex house and the bar was the other side of it. And there were women there who worked as barmaids and sold themselves as well to make money. So oftentimes when we look at somebody who's living an immoral lifestyle, someone who would be working on four corners. How many of you know where four corners is? How do you know? Just a question. 
someone that would be working on four corners. We, 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 we look at them and we go, man, look at them. Look at the way they're dressed. Look, look at how they're acting. What you don't know is the story of how they got there. You, you, don't, you don't know that they were born out of an immoral relationship, that they were fatherless. You don't know that they were molested and abused and taken advantage of as children. You don't know that by the time they got to the place of any sense of adolescence, they figured the only thing that was valuable and attractive about them was giving themselves to someone. That was the only reason why anybody would want them. And then by the time you get through going from relationship to relationship and man to man that you hope is going to fulfill you only to find out They don't want to give you something. They want to take something from you. It's here. It's here that Jesus found this woman. Can I tell you this? I'm so grateful that Jesus loves finding people that nobody else wants to find. He is the father of the fatherless. He is the keeper of the orphan. He is. Well, one of the men walked in our church today. And he said, Pastor, he said, it's about to happen. I said, what's that? He said, we're about to adopt the child we've been fostering. He said, the mama finally gave up the rights. She's a drug addict. She didn't want the rights. And now we're waiting for the daddy to make the final decision. And I reached over and I laid hands on him. And I said, God, thank you that you have raised up people that care for the widow and the orphan and they care on your behalf. And now this woman who is immoral, she's at a well. What time is she at the well? Do you know why she's there at noon, the hottest part of the day? Because respectable women go in the morning. Respectable women going, she can't go when the other women go. So not only is she a Samaritan and despised by Jew and Gentile, she's despised by the very women that are there that are Samaritans, and she's immoral. She is a hooker. She's a prostitute. And Jesus comes and he begins this conversation with her. So to begin the conversation, Jesus had to break all spiritual pride, poverty, and prejudice just to get to her. I love that. Look at me. If this church, my greatest concern about our church is not it growing. My greatest concern about our church is it being all one color. Because the real gospel, the real gospel that Jesus preached He touches the lepers that nobody wants to touch. He talks to the Samaritan nobody wants to touch. He comes to the people that nobody else wants. And he reaches them. The first revelation you will get as a born-again child of God is that there's only two races of people on earth. There's those that are spiritually lost and those that are spiritually found, those that are spiritually dead and those that are spiritually alive. And color is irrelevant because if God is your father, I am your brother and someone else is your brother or your sister. Jesus broke pride. Jesus broke religious prejudice. Jesus broke the barrier between men and women. All of it just to come to represent his father. What were the physical circumstances of all of these people? Jesus was tired. The disciples were, they were hangry. If you read the story, they're always hungry and Jesus starts doing more miracles. 
They're like, Jesus, send everybody away so we can eat. And he goes, you feed them. And then he has to pray over everything and then they feed everybody else and then they all have a buffet. All of them have a basket each for themselves. They were tired. They were hungry. And the woman, well, she was thirsty. All of these are physical realities. It's like you having to get up and go to work. You're tired. You have to get up and take the kids to school, doing homework. I mean, all of these are physical realities that every one of us have to deal with But Jesus teaches us something really important here. And remember, you've heard me say this over and over. What Jesus modeled, Jesus meant. This story's there for us to learn from. Now, I want to ask you a question. If you're looking at a city, the Samaritan city, and you are hoping somebody reaches them with the message of forgiveness of sin and a relationship with God, and you are betting on who's going to do it, Are you going to bet on the 12 apostles? Are you going to bet on a woman who's been through five men and that's the last time they stopped counting? Because what happens is the disciples go into the city hungry with all of their prejudices, who they will talk to, who they won't talk to, who they will touch, who they won't touch. And you know what they come back with? Chick-fil-A. You know they went to a Christian place. Had to be Chick-fil-A. Closed on Sunday, just like Jake Butler. Okay. But this one woman who's been with most of the men in town and married to several of them, she goes into the city and she didn't come back with the sandwich. She comes back with the whole city. No matter how much we love Jesus, we can get caught up in the temporary things. Oh, no, it's Friday. We get off in two hours. Yeah, I, they call me out again. I got to go out on the rigs. Those hellions in the middle of the water are going to be out there with me. I'll be out there all week. I can't wait till I come. Did it ever occur to you that everywhere that you go, God has a purpose and a plan for you, whether you see it or not? That as you put God first, there's always something that he's doing. You don't know the people that you're working with who have a praying mother or grandmother. You don't know the people that you're working with that are going through a personal crisis inside of their lives. So many times we can forget what really, really, really matters. So what was Jesus teaching us? The first thing he is teaching us is that real Christianity breaks race, religious arguments, and religion. He's telling us that there's a difference between being filled and fulfilled. Filled is the OV, the crawfish, the new house, the new job, the car, the child, all of whatever those things are that we desired. But the fulfilled is knowing that I am doing what God made me to do. Do you know why we want you to get in a small group? Because it'll grow you in your spiritual journey. You know why we want you to be in the first 15, first five minutes worshiping, five minutes in the word, five minutes praying? Because it sets your sights the day, the beginning of the day for what matters and what's eternal. For some of you, it's, hey, I'm going to be in church every week this year that I can be in. I want to grow spiritually. I want to make that a priority. The first thing that Jesus was teaching is the difference between being filled and fulfilled. 
For some of you that are going to go with Pastor Chris, look at me. It's going to be the most exciting moments of your life. I, I remember the people, there are people here. You were here the first day this building was opened. You sacrificed, you paid, you prayed. And today when thousands of people are here each weekend and come to know Christ each week and marriages are restored and kids get delivered from drugs and rebels are returned back home and people come and reconcile to God, you look back and go, that's what fills me. That's what fills me. God is calling many of you to do that in Youngsville with Pastor Chris and Michelle. Here's the second thing that Jesus was teaching us. Our real reward is eternal. Our real reward is eternal. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke chapter 10, verse 2. He was saying to them, the harvest is abundant, for there are many who need to hear the good news about salvation, but the workers, those available to proclaim the message of salvation are? Therefore, prayerfully ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. You say, Pastor, I, I, I'm just, I'm not real good. Like, like if you were at my work and you could talk to my neighbor or you could talk to the person that I work with or you could talk to my boss or to my family member that needs you. Pastor, I know you could do something, but like, I, I'm not really good at talking. Look right here and listen carefully. Do you know God only expects you to do one thing and that share what's happened to you and to leave the results up to God? Maybe you feel like, Pastor, I'm, I'm not real good. Like, like, how many of you ever tried to talk to somebody and they start talking about evolution? All the books of the Bible that aren't there. Like when people go that, how about all the books of the Bible that aren't there? I'm going like, I'm trying to obey the ones that are there. I'm kind of glad there's no more there that I know about. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> or how about this one? How about this one? How about all the other religions of the world? What are you saying about the Buddhist and the Hindus and the Muslims and the Khalifas? That's all those other ones you can't pronounce. What about them? Look at me. All I have to do is this. Like, I, I don't really know about those other things. I haven't really studied them. But five years ago, I was lonely and I was depressed. My life was empty. I knew I was missing the purpose of my life. And I gave my life to Jesus. And he forgave me. And he filled me with peace. Look, I don't know about Buddha, Hindu, Mahatma Gandhi, Mahatma Rice. I don't know about any of that. I just know what Jesus did in me. Can I tell you that? I don't have to be an expert in every other religion in the world. All I have to do is be an expert in one thing. I've had an encounter with Jesus and he changed me and I'll never be the same because of it. That's all I have to be. And then they look at you and go, well, oh, uh, well, what do you think I ought to go to church? That's what this woman did. It's not about that. 
This is about you being spiritual and you getting connected to the God who is a spirit and you having a relationship with him and turning away from all the things that are robbing you of everything that he has for you. That's what it's about. You know what's interesting? It's interesting the older people get, the more spiritual they become. How many of you got a godly grandmother, grandfather, great-grandmother? Come on. How many of you are here because of their prayers and their actions? Raise your hand. Why do you think people get more spiritual as they get older? Do you think it's gray hair? You know what it is? It's the older you get, you realize all the OVs you've had all your life that passed away and don't matter. And then you look and see what really matters. What really matters. You, you know what I want to pray for for you? I want to pray that every person here leads one person to Jesus this year. That you just share your story of what Jesus has done for you. Let me tell you how powerful that is. How many of you know we broadcast to the jail every week? In two weeks, we'll start broadcasting from our Opelousas campus to the Opelousas jail. Hey, in the next two months, we will be broadcasting from here to the New Iberia jail. Do you know why that happened? Because of a cone kegnatic named Jude Darbone. The first time I met Jude, it was right before he got arrested the last time. And when he got out, he started cutting Michelle's hair. He soon after that started coming to the church and he started talking about what a burden he had for the jail. That he was there for a long time and, and that it was there that he would you know, cry out to God and he wanted someone to really minister to him and it would mean the world to him if, if church could be broadcasted into jail. And so Michelle came to me and told me and I talked to him and I worked on it and then he kept calling me, Pastor, when are we going to the jail? When are we going to the jail? When are we going? I'm like, bro, get off of me. I'll put you back in jail. <laughs> I mean, I was said, literally he would not stop. And then we got in jail and you know what happened? It's a true story, true story. A lady started serving in the youth ministry in the nursery and she came up to me and she goes, you don't know this, but my husband is in charge of the jail. He's the chief jailer. He came to church and he got saved. <clears throat> Just because of Jude Darbone, now we're going to the Opelousas jail. Now we're going to the New Iberia jail. Just because one man told his story of what Jesus did in his life. All you got to do is tell your story. In our earlier service, there were two precious people that are very precious to Michelle and I, Taylor and Cheryl Evans. They sit about right where you are in a green shirt and the glasses right there. Wave at me. They sit usually right there. That's where they were sitting last service. You know, the older you get, you get your own spot. You know, I guess you're kind of behind fits in there. You just kind of figured it out. And... 
Years ago, they had a nephew who was raised tradition of most of the people around here in our area from Crowley. And they brought him to a conference with them where he was born again. They didn't know what would happen to him. They were just excited. He got in the Word. He started reading. And then he did the most unthinkable thing you could imagine for a Cajun. He went to Texas A&M. And there he was so on fire for God that, that he started a Bible study in his living room. And it grew, and they had to move it to a bigger place, and then it grew, and they had to move it to a bigger place, and then it grew, and they had to move it to a bigger place. By the time he left Texas A&M, he would leave years later to become the pastor of First Baptist in Houston. Greg Mott had 20,000 people that met, and today 30,000 people meet each week in Bible study in the basketball arena because of an aunt and an uncle from Lafayette who took their Cajun nephew to a meeting to get saved. You never know what's on the other side of your obedience. You never know that when you obey God, so you don't know. All you have to do, you don't have to be the, the perfect guy. Don't pray weird. Don't make strange noises. and ah, Don't do that. That's scary. It looks like you're constipated and got an issue. Just share what Jesus has done in your life. You don't need to be an expert and you don't need to be perfect. This woman certainly was not. She was just someone that was willing to be used. Last thing I'm going to say. How many have ever been thirsty? How many of you like really thirsty? Okay. Like parched. When, when you get to a water fountain or when you get to a faucet that you can drink water, of course, there's nothing like drinking water out of a water hose. Come on now. How many of you mean that? There ain't nothing like drinking water out of a water hose. I wish I had that water hose I grew up with. I could find it. When you start getting water, do you examine the glass? Let me be sure. Is there anything in here that's... I mean, do you look? No, I only drink Fiji. I only drink Dasani, which is nasty, by the way. That's not even pure water. You know what you do? You go, you're not examining it. Do you know how many perfect people Jesus has to use? Let's look around. None of us. But do you know who he wants to use? Let's look around. Every one of us. Every one of us. Let me show you this in a very practical way. Eight years ago, we were having a football Sunday right here at OSC. Football Sunday began when I was the chaplain for the Saints, and we were out in the orange chairs. And I'd get some Saints players to come. And when they would come, we'd put signs all over Lafayette because nobody would ever drive out to Broussard without some sign. And I would get, Coach Ditka would send quarterback, Billy Joe Hobart, I'd let him to the Lord, and Jeff Blake, and Leroy Glover and Winford Tubbs and other players, they would, they would come. Darren Smith, they would, they would come. And I would preach. And so eight years ago, we had a football Sunday 
And one of our staff members then, Jake Smith, who's at our church in Destin now, said, hey, Pastor, I know a guy that recovered an onside kick for the Saints in the Super Bowl. I said, really? He goes, yeah, you want to get him to come share his testimony? I said, sure. This is what he looked like. How about that hair? Come on, look at that swag and that hair. Look at that. He looks like a wig model. Look at that hair. He had it going on. Now it's all gone. <laughs> and he came. He had an athletic training business in Atlanta. He played at Georgia Tech. He's from Atlanta. His wife played at Georgia softball. So they're Georgia people. And he came here simply to share testimony of what Christ meant to him. And something strange happened. It's never happened before or since. It got so cold in Lafayette that the flight that goes from here to Atlanta couldn't go for one day. Oh, but it get better. Then it couldn't go for two days. Then it was so cold it wouldn't fly out for. And he looked at me and he goes, why do you think I can't get out of here? <laughs> and I said, because God has a call on your life to preach the gospel and to be a pastor. And I believe that you should move here and we can train you. Michelle and I do that. That's our heart. And we can train you to be a pastor. And Michelle looked at him and she goes, that's right. I believe that. His family's there. His friends are there. He played there. He stayed there. He knew there. He looks like the rich white people that are from there. <laughs> and eight years ago, they took a step of faith and came here. And the rest is history. All he was doing, all he was doing was putting God first and sharing a testimony of what Jesus did in his life. And today it is our joy to pray over them and to send them out to be the new pastors of our Savior's Church of Youngsville. Pastor Chris, would you come up and all your boys, baby, come up. Donald and Danielle, come up. Kevin, y'all come up. Come on. Come on. He is growing his church one way or another. I want to say this to you. I have five living children and four are in ministry. And they are my children. You know People look at Joseph and go, you sound like your daddy. I heard him back then. As a matter of fact, some man right here, wave your hand, the man, whoever you are. I want to tell you, I forgive you. Raise your hand. Raise your hand high. I was greeting people. He goes, the first time I heard you speak was in third grade at Acadian Middle. It was another good looking Mexican that looked like me. Chris, Reese, and Michelle have been true spiritual children to Michelle and I. We are like grandparents to their children. 
And God has truly given them a place in their heart for Louisiana, for Cajun country. And they went from being transplant to they are us now. They are official Cajuns. They are true spiritual family of OSC. And it is because the Lord loves Youngsville that he is sending Chris and Michelle Reese there to build a great church where thousands of people will come to know Jesus. Youngsville needs Jesus. And these are the harvesters that are being sent out into the field. So would you stretch your hands out towards them right now? Stretch your hands up. Father, we thank you for Chris and Michelle Reese. We thank you for the gift of God. We thank you for the treasures that they are. We thank you for their precious children, each of them, Father, that have followed you with their whole heart. They serve everywhere that they can. They're precious daughters. We thank you, Father, for their boys. We thank you that, Father, you have planted them here, and it's because you love this region that you've sent them here today, along with our elders, we pray over them and we bless them. And we thank you for the fruitfulness that's going to come. And we declare that Youngsville will come to know Christ because of Chris and Michelle Reese and what you do to and through their lives. That their children will grow up and be called there and fulfill your divine purpose today. And as a church, we bless them. Come on, church, just bless. We bless them and we thank you for them in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen and amen. And this is for Michelle. It's for Michelle. And this is for Pastor Chris. And here is a a $100 gift card for each of the children. Y'all can buy me anything you want. Come on, give them a big hand. Stay standing. If you feel called to go and join them and help them, hey, please do. They're going to be here today at 5 o'clock. Can I tell you this? Just just the math of it. Every time this campus gets to 2,500 people, we have to plant another campus. So we're going to Youngsville. Don't worry. It won't be long. We'll be going to Abbeville. Won't be long. We'll be going to Ville Platte. Don't hate on the people from Ville Platte now. That's where Jack Miller's barbecue sauce comes from. We are. Opelousas will be going there. Look, look at me. This is why we're here, because the harvest is great and the laborers are few. And our desire is to raise up laborers to go out and to continue reaching those for Christ all in our community. Michelle and I and Pastor Eugene and Heidi decided a long time ago if we could have church every week at the Cajun Dome, which we could right now, and we'd pack it out, there's still areas around here that God loves that are broken by pride, poverty, and prejudice, marriages that need to be restored, kids that need to be delivered from drugs, moms and dads that need to be strengthened and equipped. And that's our call. That's our call. How many of you glad we keep growing? Good. Because it's going to take your money to keep doing it. You know, people ask sometimes, they go, Pastor, when are we going to stop growing? And then they'll say, but could you pray for my cousin? He really needs the Lord. I go, well, I'd like to, but we don't have room for your cousin. So we have to pray for somebody else. 
Look at me. As long as there's a harvest. How happy would you be if one of your children was lost? How happy would you be if one of your children was lost? And what links would you go to till they were found? It doesn't matter if they're hookers or Samaritans, if they're black, brown, red, yellow, or white. There's only two people, lost and found. And those of us that are found, look at me. We're coming after you and we're not backing down. I want to thank the elders of our church, Kevin Cook and his wife, Donald and his wife, Don Mendoza, and so many who have sacrificed here for years and years for God to do everything that he's done. I want to pray for you and I want to bless you again today, five o'clock right here for those of you that are interested in being a part of the launch in Youngsville. They will begin having small group service, uh, initial services starting next week with their launch team. And then the first service is the week before Easter, March 26. And then they're going to be meeting at 10 o'clock. So those of you who oversleep the nine, so it's going to be an alternate time. So it's going to be perfect all the way around. And by the way, we have our eyes on some property of where we're going to build. We'll talk to you more about that later, but really excited about all of that. Could I pray for you and could I bless you? If you're here and you don't know Jesus, look at me. There's going to be people up here around the front. We would love to introduce you to Jesus and to solve your spiritual problem. God loves you no matter where you are, no matter what you've done, no matter how jacked up your life is. I love stories like today because it reminds me that Jesus always has room for people just like me. That would have been me. Father, today, thank you. Today, I ask you that every single person here would be able to share their faith and see one person come to Christ this year. That every person here, come on, if that's you, if you want to lead someone to Christ this year, lift both your hands up. Father, I pray that every person here, every person here with their hands lifted, you give them the opportunity to share And then let the work of the Holy Spirit go from there. Thank you for your grace. And as we move into this Lenten season, marching towards the cross, resurrection morning, may you give us the opportunity to not only be filled, but be fulfilled by letting people come to know you through our lives. I bless these precious people and I thank you for them now. And I bless him in the name of the Father, his Son, Jesus, and the all-abiding Holy Spirit. And you say, I receive that. I love you. I'll see you next week. I'll be preaching. God bless you.